So we sing that song. And so in, in Cleveland, Tennessee, this is so well known. They used to, in a, on a country station, they used to have a song every Wednesday that said, Everybody shake a snake, say glory, hallelujah. If you don't live right, the snake will sock it to you. You're the little lady, you're the little So interesting. Uh, but but uh, so we had actually a fellow that was buried at, at, you know, in the. Uh... Welcome to the Almost Apostolic Podcast. I'm your host, Anissa. And this podcast is designed to share the backstories and the testimonies of beautiful ministry-minded people. I hope you laugh, I hope you cry, and most importantly, I hope you learn that we are all striving for perfection in an imperfect world as people of faith. So join me every week as I interview a few familiar folks and hopefully some you may not know. here with the program chair of missiology, Brother Doug Hogston. Now, for those of you who are not sure what missiology is, please explain for our audience. Sure. Uh, missiology is the study, uh, the study of missions. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we study uh, the theology of missions, uh, missional hermeneutics. In other words, we uh, help teach uh, how to read the Bible through a missionary lens. And, uh, and so an apostolic missions, of course. And uh, so it's great. Our program, our program has been around for quite, quite a while. When I got here two years ago, there was only four classes. And we've expanded. I've partnered with uh, Brother Poitras at a, a general headquarters. And we've, um, we're partnering with them to build the program, to make it a more robust. And by the time we're done, we should have about oh, 15 to 18 classes in missions. I feel like we dove right in there, but we're talking about at Texas Bible College. <laughs> I yeah, forgot to skip up. <laughs> you could just do the edit there. That's, yes, of okay. Texas Bible College. So I'm so sad that you weren't teaching when I was here because I feel like I could have learned a lot under your heavy esteem. Well, so. it would have been interesting anyway. Yeah. Whether I mean, well, you learn a lot, I don't know about that, but uh, right. it would have been interesting. Give us a little bit about yourself from start to finish, and then we'll dive into different aspects of your life. Okay, so um, I was born in Mount Clemens, Michigan, and uh, raised in Kentucky. And um, and for years, I was about seven years, I was a Trinitarian pastor. I call, called to preach in 1984, received the Holy Ghost in 1984. Called to preach, pastored, evangelized. Uh, then I uh, went into... Uh, there was a split in our church, went uh, with a more conservative group. I encountered the oneness message in the 90s and had to, I was defrocked out of the uh, church of God because of my acceptance of the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name. And uh, then we moved to uh, Arkansas. I then pastored um, in independent apostolic churches and uh, Joined the military as a military chaplain. I spent the last 12 years as an army chaplain. I went downrange twice. And then in 2018, I had a heart attack and the army said that was enough. And so uh, I, I retired. I came uh, and I came here and interviewed. Of course, a great thing about this place is that when I interviewed, so in 1994, uh, if you don't, you want me to wait, we'll get into this later, but in 19, uh, 94, when I turned in my license, 
for the church of God. The night before I had a dream that I was teaching on the name of God in an upstairs classroom and the power of God was falling. I did not know what that meant. I just wrote it down. And for years, I had no idea. When I interviewed in Brother Bowie's office next door, I asked them, I said, is this a, a metal building? And they said, yes. And I said, do we have classrooms upstairs? Is in my dream both, metal building, classrooms upstairs. And he said, yes. And I knew then this was the fulfillment of that dream. So I am here because I'm supposed to be. This is a divine appointment. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, um, it was just fascinating to me because in 1994, the school was not here in Lufkin. It was in Houston. But God knew. God knew it was going to be here. And in 1994, I was one. All right. So that's yeah. crazy. There are so many interesting aspects about your life. I don't know where to begin. Now, let's talk about your family in general. So what's the special thing about your family? Sure. Uh, of course, I'm married. To, well, nowadays, it's, it's amazing that I'm married to Missy for 33 years. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my one and only, right. uh, you know, not I'm the husband of one wife, not one at a time. Mm -hmm. And that is amazing in these uh, these days. Right. Uh, these days. Now, you may have to add to that. I don't know. But anyway, um, so so uh, this, uh, that, and we also have five kids. We have two sets of twins mm -hmm. and one in between. Our first set of twins are 32. And then we have a daughter that's 30. And then we have another set of twins that turned 21 today. Yeah, and those, are, those are the babies. Those are the identical boys. Those were our miracle babies. So my wife, you just cut out what you want to. So I'm, I'm just going to talk. And so my wife had not cycled in eight years. And I prayed publicly one more time, Lord. And uh, she began to get sick uh, about a month later. And I said, well, you better get checked. And she said, I'm not. I can't be pregnant. And sure enough, when we got there, the doc said, the doc said, well, they're doing really, really good. And she said, they, and she said, if you ever pray this way again, I will kill you. <laughs> and um, so that's, uh, that, yeah. So our family's, uh, you know, uh, it's been a, it's been a, a great ride. Mm -hmm. I'm very close to my kids. And uh, not very much. So where do I want to start? Do I want to start with the chaplain? Do I want to start with the snake handling? Do we didn't even get to that. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah, so, so, so let, let, let's. So I pastored and evangelized for the first uh, year or two of our, our marriage. So in, I went full time. I was enlisted in the army from 84 to 87. I got out and me and my wife, we went out on a date in December and we were married that May. And so very, very quick. Um, she told me she was marrying me before we got to the youth convention, because like the UPC in the Church of God, she knew there would be vultures at the youth convention if we were not if we were not married. So so we got married uh, very quickly. And I went on the evangelistic field. I was the uh, uh, state evangelist for the Church of God of Prophecy in Kentucky. So all that meant I go to there was 92 churches there. And so I would go to each one, you know, each one that I could. And uh and, and preach revival. I then started uh, pastoring. I pastored, my first church was pastored uh, in Vanceburg, Kentucky, little small work. In fact, in fact, I was telling uh, some others here that uh, that church was old. It was like in the 1800s. So we did not have uh, electricity when I first got in there. I mean, it's, it's like something out of the like 20s or 30s that I'm talking, but this was in the nine, uh, late 80s, 89, 90. And so they had uh, these big old kerosene lamp 
holders that came down. And uh, uh, nobody can see out here, but I'm moving my hands like uh, like you can see them. And, uh, um, but uh, so so they have, uh, uh, and it was just an old building. And so we had an old grouchy neighbor next door who constantly complained with the noise because it was a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. And uh, so he called the fire department, had the fire department actually condemned our building. And so the fire department called me and said, hey, your building is condemned. And I... I said, that will sue me because uh, the publicity will be great. And so we stayed there for a couple of years and then we, uh, we moved on. Uh, my next pastor was in Michigan. It was here that was a real powerful moment. Um, I had a fellow come in the back of the church. He sat down in the back, listened to the message. After, after I was done preaching, he said, I really love the message, but I did have trouble with something you said. And I said, well, you know, what, what was that? He said, you gave honor to the Trinity. And, and I said, now you ain't one of them Jesus only folk, are you? And he said, well, I'm oneness. And I busted his eye. He didn't know his Bible very well. And I took him to task. So much so that when I went back to the parsonage, I told, I told my wife, I said, well, another oneness bites the dust. And, um, uh, you know, at 30, you're pretty arrogant usually. And, um, and so that's what I was. And, uh, <laughs> So this guy was smart, though. When he did it, he started sending me books with no return address. And so I began to read them. And uh, I learned that what I thought oneness taught was not what was taught at all. The first book I read was God in Christ Jesus by John Patterson. I still have it there on my shelf. It has my notes in it. And so you'll see at the beginning, there's uh, there's notes that, you know, I'm, I'm re trying to rebuttal everything. And they get less and less. And finally, I think the last notation I have, it says deep, you know, in his explanation. And so I was a little troubled, uh, of course, and my world was being shaken. So I bought a book called Oneness Pentecostals and the Trinity, which is by Gregory Boyd. Um, Gregory Boyd was, a, um, in the beginning, he tells you he was in the UPCI, and he was, but it was like when he was 16. And so he was in the UPCI, and then he, he is now a, an Episcopal priest. And so uh, I read that book, but what he does is he laid out the oneness position in the first chapter with no critique. And he used at the time the best, um, the best oneness uh, articulator. So at that time there was probably, of course, Brother Bernard, but um, there was Brother Robert Saban. He, he articulated Brother Kenneth Reeves. And so that chapter made such an impact on me. We were going through a split in our organization, so I'm still in 91, 92 here. And so we went to Arkansas, and I became a youth pastor of a church in Arkansas. I put the oneness thing on the back burner, still struggling with everything. On the way home from a revival, I turned on the radio, and old Bishop S.C. Johnson from the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ of the Apostolic Faith, he was uh, he was, it was letter time and he was a little, a little, he's a little crass. I, I've listened to him for over the years, but, um, but somebody wrote in and they said, dear Bishop Johnson, you said to baptize in the name of the father uh, and of the son and the Holy ghost. But, but uh, uh, Jesus said that, but you say that uh, you have to be baptized in Jesus name. And old Johnson said, Oh, you're so dumb. That name of the father, son and Holy ghost is Jesus. And when he said that I spoke in tongues. And I said, Lord, why did you do that? So the very next day, I went to uh, the local UPCI pastor 
knocked on their door and said, hey, y'all have any books on oneness? So I walked away with a little stack of books and, uh, and I began to study. God opened this up to me. I was baptized um, by Brother Carson, 93, um, out of Nashville. I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I would be baptized again a year later, not because I had to, but because I did a year-long study on the name of God, uh, the progressive revelation of God's name culminating in the name of Jesus. And once I did that, I mean, it just, uh, I had to do it again because I understood that Jesus is the comprehensive name of God under the new covenant. And that was, I mean, it's just blew my mind. In the meantime, I'm still in the church of God here. I can't hold license because I turn them in, but they kept me around as a member. I was uh, somewhat popular in the little organization that I was in. And, and so so on the outside, it looked like I was, uh, I was throwing away everything, you know, in, in my ministry. But uh, God knew what he was doing. In fact, they finally got rid of me in 98. Um, there were several things I preached for Brother McCool, ALJC, out of uh, Knoxville. <laughs> I was preaching on oneness and just so happened the general overseer of the Church of God, his private secretary, happened to be in Knoxville, happened to turn on the TV. And so I, I don't know how many times I wound up in the general overseer's office, to, you know, to defend the position um, that that, uh, that we all love. And um, But it, it, was a, it was a great ride. So in 98, they gave me a... Uh, the boot. The night before they gave me the boot, God gave me Isaiah 66 and 5, which says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. He said, Your brethren that hated you cast you out for my name's sake. And they said, Let the Lord be glorified. They shall say, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear unto your joy, and they shall be ashamed. So when I walked in that meeting, they did it in a literal business meeting. I was not allowed to talk. Um, but the first words out of that uh, equivalent of a sectional overseer, um, a sectional, yeah, yeah, so a sectional guy. Mm -hmm. He he stood up and said, "Lord, let this be for your glory." When he said that, I knew uh, everything was going to be all right. After this, um, I went back to school. So I went back for my bachelor's in '94, and then in '98, uh, '99, I. Uh, started on my master's, uh, Master of Divinity there in Cleveland, Tennessee, at the uh, Church of God School of Theology there. So I went back to school in 94, got my bachelor's degree, and by 98, 99, I went to uh, the Church of God Theological Seminary there in Cleveland, Tennessee, um, to work on my Master of Divinity there. Uh, during that time, I also pastored independent apostolic churches. And there's a book up there on my shelf um, called Serpent Handling Believers. It actually has a picture of one of the churches I pastored. Um, they, they were a former, 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 former mm -hmm. snake, handling, uh, snake handling church. Jesus' name, a oneness snake handling church. Um, most of your oneness, um, most of your snake handlers are oneness, at least um, in Tennessee, West Virginia, um, there are Trinitarian snake handlers in Alabama, but predominantly it's uh, it's oneness driven today, and uh, and so they were an interesting, very stubborn group. Um, probably the most obstinate people I've ever pastored. So what um, happens at a snake handling service? Like what goes on? It's a good question. Um, I, I've n I've never went mm -hmm. to to one. 
but I've done a lot of research and study uh, on, but yeah, so the, typically it's the same. There's a, a music, uh, praise, and uh, more, more uh, hickey-fied music, I guess. Um, and uh, they, uh, uh, but they're uh, very exuberant. And then typically they'll have a box that says Mark chapter 16. And, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. And in the box will be the, sh the snakes, you know. So we sing that song. And so in, in Cleveland, Tennessee, this is so well known. They used to, in a, on a country station, they used to have a song every Wednesday that said, Everybody shake a snake, say glory, hallelujah. If you don't live right, the snake will sock it to you. You're the little lady, you're the little So interesting. Uh, but but uh, so we had actually a fellow that was buried at, at, um, in the, uh, yeah. So, so it actually started in Cleveland, Tennessee, in 1910 in the Church of God. And it was brought to the local church there. And uh, when the oneness brethren started picking it up, I don't know, uh, a little later. But uh, so as so I pastored there and then I pastored, um, it was interesting. We were, we left that church and we were looking, we were having services in the home and we were looking for a place to go. And uh, I, I met this guy who had a building and I asked him if we could rent the building. And, uh, he, and it, I never will forget. It. He said, no, he wasn't interested. He said, but he said, I pastor a church right up the road. He said, now, I ain't living right. He said, why don't you come and take it? And, and I said, uh, okay, well, what kind of church is this? He said, it's a Baptist church. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm not Baptist. He said, oh, it don't matter. And so I went there and, and we took that church. Um, the one member he said would give me the biggest problem. We went up to... And I gave him my card and he said, well, praise God, we finally got an apostolic here. And I said, <laughs> I said, you know about apostolic? He said, son, I was baptized 30 years ago in the name of Jesus. And uh, he was our best supporter. It was, it was so funny. I never had the heart to ask him what he was doing in the Baptist church. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was good. We had a, had a great time. Um, that church lasted as a Baptist church for about two months. Then we changed the name. And uh, it became an apostolic church, and it's still an apostolic church today wow. there in Georgia. And so it was exciting. So y'all have lived all over the United States of America. Yes, we have. And this would get even more so once we got in the uh, uh, the military, which would be, you know, the 2000s, 2007. Mm -hmm. I would be, you know, commissioned uh, in the military. Well, I was first... Um, uh, I went to the military under the umbrella of the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ of the Apostolic Faith. They endorsed me as a chaplain. Um, this is a predominantly a, an African-American group headquartered out of New York. So it belonged to Bishop Lawson was actually converted under G.T. Haywood, uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World in 1915. And I think there was a division maybe in the 30s. And that, uh, and so I was with um, Brother Lawson's group. Uh, so Bro Bishop Bonner was the overseer for many years. In fact, Bishop Bonner just just died a few years ago. I preached at Bishop Bonner's church before. Uh, interesting. And so they were my first endorsers uh, into the military cha military chaplaincy. 
So what are the duties of a military chaplain? Because I have no clue. So we provide, we perform or provide religious services for all soldiers. And, uh, and we advise our commanders on, uh, on issues related to, um, uh, issues related to religious stuff. Like for instance, like if our guys are going to be moving to an area that happens to be a sacred place, you know, uh, it would be my job to figure out, Hey, we better not go here. Um, that could cause a, a lot of, a lot of trouble. So we do a lot of counseling, a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of individual counseling. You know, the suicide rate in the military is much higher than the national average. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so we go with the troops. The Army is probably most unique chaplains, really unique ministry, because they are with the soldiers. Like we go, other branches are not quite like that. But in the army, we go with our with our soldiers. We go to Afghanistan or wherever they go. Uh, we we were in Romania in 2010. Romania, we did the first. Uh, I did the first joint um, American and Romanian uh, military service, and so that was a lot of fun. So at this point in your ministerial career, are any of the kids born yet? Or oh yeah, you- yeah. So so the the uh, Aaron and Faith were actually born in Vanceburg. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in, you know, 90, what, 90, 91. And then um, Danielle was when I was in Michigan there and first encountered the oneness guy. And then uh, the boys would come later. Yeah. And, uh, this is all the boys know. Um, you know, they don't mm-hmm. hardly remember I- anything else. So what happens next? <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, so. In 2009, they had me teaching classes, um, the Army did, on how to survive deployments when you come back. And uh, I had a slick sleeve. And what they call a slick sleeve means you could could tell by not having anything on this arm that I had never been downrange. And so I told my superiors that I thought it was weird for me teaching on how to cope, and I've never been. And so I requested to be placed in a unit that was going uh, going into combat, and so they were they released me early, um, so that we could be in in the uh, and when I went to Germany and I went with the unit there. Interestingly, I had a a, a missionary in Afghanistan that actually called my mother-in-law and said, "Is Doug in Afghanistan?" And they said, no, no, he's stationed at Fort Leonard Wood. And she said, well, I saw him in a vision near Kandahar. So when I get to Germany, my chaplain assistant, every chaplain has a chaplain assistant. And my chaplain assistant said, sir, we're going to um, Iraq. I said, I don't think so. I think we're going to Afghanistan, somewhere near Kandahar. And he said, no, no, sir, we've already had the briefing. We're going to Iraq. I said, trust me. I got the inside scoop. Right. I said, we're going to, and that's exactly where we were. We, in fact, we stayed in Kandahar for a little bit and then moved about an hour up. So that first first deployment was really, uh, really, uh, really something. I really, I was really confident um, because I'd had this word and I knew I was going to be fine. In fact, we were doing training where we have to have um, 
what they call miles gear. And this gear is, you know, when you get shot, it goes off with the lights, you know, training purposes. And so I popped the battery out of mine. And so when the uh, the people that, what they call OCs, the the controllers, when they came by, they tested my, on my, my gear and they said, well, this is not working. I said, no, no, it's working fine. They said, no, no, it's not lighting up. And I said, well, it's not because I popped the battery out of it. They said, well, you can't do that. I said, sure, God doesn't tell me I'm coming back. And you said to be realistic. So I popped it out because I ain't getting shot and uh, I'm coming back home. And so uh, it was a blast. We had a great, a great, uh, a great time in Afghanistan. I had a one week, uh, a one week revival and then another week revival in another place. I mean, I don't know how many soldiers I baptized in Jesus name. But yeah, it's really, really something. Okay. And then what happened? So then we um, we came back. My favorite episode. <laughs> we, well, then we came back to uh, to Germany, and uh, um, and then we were transferred to uh, PCS to, to um, New York, Fort Drum, and I went again, second deployment. On uh, this one, I had no. I called that same woman and said, "Do you have anything for?" And yeah. Nah, nah at all. <laughs> this one, this one's got to be on faith, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so we did that. Uh, so the second deployment, I was in the northern area in uh, at Fob Gosney. I will say that that you know when you look at today and you see everything that's happened, it's so sad. Like the first deployment, I probably prayed over people in body bags, sixteen of them the first month. It was really, really something. I did so many memorials. The second deployment um, was intense in that we were always rocketed every day it was a you know we rocketed and uh and so that was uh i earned you know two two bronze stars one of the first times and one of the second and uh and a combat action badge because i was shot at and uh so so you know pr probably that one of those rockets landed near uh nearer so uh but yeah so so we had a great uh, but another great time i did did a revival meeting there. I think I did a revival meeting wherever wherever we went. Um, and I preached the same as I always do. In fact, you hear horror stories about, you can't say the name of Jesus. No, that's nonsense. Um, I never had anybody sharpshoot me. Um, I've been told my prayer was too long or something. And uh, I had a commander that told me, he said, you prayed too long. And in the army, they give you coins. See those coins up there on... They give coins for, uh, you know, when you do something nice or something good. And uh, and so I got a coin for that prayer. And my commander said, it was too long, chaplain. I said, well, sir, I got a coin out of this. Uh, he said, I don't care. It's just, it was too long. I said, sir, if I look good, that means you look good. He said, I don't care. He said, it was too long. He said, if I tell you the sky is green, it's green. Do you understand me, chaplain? And I said, yes, sir especially if you're colorblind. And, um, and so we had a great relationship after that. But, but I never had anybody, anybody at all, uh, hinder me for preaching. And I, I mean, I preach just like I do, which is pretty fiery. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, so I never had any. They did, I'd had, I did have some chaplains in the last place we were at that asked us if we could do, we called our, our service, the Sunday night explosion. Mm -hmm. 
but they wanted a service that was less explosive and for, for some of their people. So we instituted another service that I named the Gentle Breeze. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I told my, I told my, uh, my chaplain friend, I said, you've got this one, not me. I can't be, I'm not really a Gentle Breeze. So after that deployment, before we left in August um, of, of that deployment, my chaplain assistant, thankfully, she was a little uh, young young female, about, about 19. Um, she was gone, and the, that FOB was attacked. And you can still look at this on YouTube, where the FOB Gosney was attacked. Um, there was uh, 10 suicide bombers. They breached a whole, uh, uh, they took a 4,000 pound explosive breached a hole in the wall. I mean, it was uh, it was it was truly a suicide mission. I mean, it was ten suicide bombers against what uh, had five thousand. <laughs> I mean, and they rocketed it at the same time. That was probably the most intense battle. And I would give our uh, for hours. I would just run around the walls and and give our our guys scriptures. My, my, one of my favorite was uh, he trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Whoa, come on now! And I'd I'd say fire. Thing uh, yeah, so so it was it was very intense but it, a lot of fun. I came back in 2014. We came back to Fort Drum, New York. Um, I uh, uh, everything was going good, career progressing. Yeah, so we went to C4, which is an advanced chaplain school. Really, it's in preparation for when you um, are promoted to major. I'll be honest with you, it was it was pretty intense because. Only for me because I always have a tendency to gain weight, uh, and uh, and and, and what there is that like? I've tried that, but it just doesn't work for me. What gaining weight? Yeah. Oh well. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, stick around. Um, it's uh, yeah. So uh, the army wants. I was told the army wants greyhounds instead of bulldogs. That was a nice way of saying you're too fat. But um, but we but uh, I got the weight down. Um, and uh, I think only one time in my army career was I never, I never had to be taped. Only once, and I was 169. Um, but, uh, but here I made the weight, um, and then we were stationed. I fought to get to Kentucky. I wanted to go back to Kentucky because that's kind of our home, and uh, they would not let me go. I came kicking to Texas, and I, I really, in fact, they even, I had even talked to a fellow that was going to switch with me. They were okay. And then Forcecom said, no way, he's not switching. So, I mean, it was odd. But we now know. Now I know why. Um, but at the time, I was just, you know, irritated because the Army, once again, did what it wanted to do, the big machine. So in uh, so when I was at Lindardwood, when I first got in, I was the pastor, senior pastor of the gospel service, which is a... Uh, mix between uh, some type of predominantly African-American Baptist and it's a Baptist mm -hmm. So it's kind of a mix of both. Right. And, um, and so we, we, it was the biggest uh, service on post. We ran about 500. When I took it over, I, I told the Lord, every, there were, they had people doing baptisms, a bunch of people. I said, I'll take all the baptisms from here on out. And, uh, and it really began to make this a revival. And so we probably, um, within two months, 
we ran 1,500 to 1,700 every service. I mean, it was just astounding at Leonard Wood. So I pastored there. I pastored, of course, in Afghanistan, also in Germany there. Um, these are all military churches. Um, and then at Fort, uh, Fort Drum, I was the senior pastor of the gospel service there. I went to Fort Hood here in Texas, and I was involved with the gospel service, but was never the senior pastor. Just one of the pastors there. Um, there was a little more restrictive. Uh, I wasn't on my own there, so I had to be a little more careful and uh, uh, on exactly how you preach. I still preached Acts two thirty eight. Still emphasized all of that, but uh, you had to you had to be just a little bit more, a less. Mm, Less in your face, all mm-hmm. right. So um, that's, uh, but uh, but but yeah, it was great. But then I, um, so the army sent me then to Texas A and M Central Texas for a degree, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Uh, I was accepted into their uh, in their school to be a, uh, a family life chaplain, and so I I got a second master's in in, in, in that and uh, and did a lot of counseling. A lot of counseling. But counseling was good. I enjoyed counseling. Um, I was certified in EMDR, eye movement desensitization, reprocessing therapy. And uh, that's a mouthful. Don't ask me to say it again. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I, I was certified there. Because at this time, uh, when I was at C4, I ended up having to have two stints mm-hmm. in the middle of the class. And then, um, and, and then again, I had this, the heart attack then after the school in, in 2018. Um, I was able to complete the program. I was able to get the degree. And uh, and then I came here. And so um, I've enjoyed teaching here. Missions is not my expertise. Um, I probably have more missions books right now than I had in 30 years of ministry. Um, but I've loved every minute. I love teaching. And uh, I'm passionate about teaching and passion about these these young people. I think more than anything, this generation of apostolics, they really need to be taught. If there's anything that I really stress is um, the idea of, uh, of not compartmentalizing. And, and men have a unique ability, uh, in my view, at least, I know this is generalization, guys, but um, we, have a, we have a capability of compartmentalizing our lives. And so I really try to stress holistic missions and a holistic, and I believe uh, Pentecostal salvation is holistic. It deals with every area of our life. So I always emphasize, in fact, today in class, I emphasize the fact that true, the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, affects, should affect every area of our life so that we have right orthodoxy, so that's right belief, and we have orthopraxy, Praxy, right practices. You, usually, that's not a problem for us. But you really can't do these without the third element, and that's orthopathy, right affections. And that only comes through a genuine relationship uh, of salvation, a transformal, uh, transformational experience uh, with the Holy Ghost. And that's that's the only way. And so that the Holy Ghost is so we're so 
busy sometimes thinking about our vertical relationship, we forget that the Holy Ghost has given to us uh, not as some kind of narcissistic experience. Boy, I'm going off, ain't I? Um, a, a narcissistic experience that we get up in the altar and we splash each other with. No, it's, it is actually to be horizontal. It should affect us horizontally in how we, are, uh, how we relate to others in the body of Christ. And uh, uh, that's so important to me. I'm very passionate about that. Um, that's <laughs> so. So I'm, I'm enjoying the classes. Uh, um, uh, Brother Davis was so gracious to allow me to teach uh, Systematic Theology Three, which is on the Godhead. Sixteen weeks on the Godhead, <laughs> my favorite. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, you're an that's, expert at it. That's it. I'm a little bit expert. And ex, <laughs> and remember, an expert is ex is a has been, and a spurt is simply a drip under pressure. Oh, so I don't, yeah. I don't know if I want to be an expert. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I love, I love the Godhead stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love the God of the oneness. I I don't love the oneness doctrine. I love the God of the oneness doctrine. That's the important distinction to me. But but yeah, it's exciting. And so four weeks ago, so in in, uh, April, um, one of our pastors died of COVID in the area, um, our brother's orange. And and so May 3rd, I started going over uh, to the church and just walking around and praying for the widow and the congregation. And the more I walked around, the more I became burdened. And so I put my name in for the Dieball Church. Dieball Church is very interesting because it's it was here since 1928, uh, started as a revival church. And then um, the building, part of the building is uh, built in the 30s. And so it's been here a long time. It used to run about 200. Um, and, uh, and so... About four weeks ago, they elected me as pastor there, and so we're excited. We're excited about what God's going to do. I'm I'm doing. I'm trying to do something in Lufkin. They tell me cannot be done, and that is a multi-ethnic church. But I believe that it can be done. Absolutely, and, can. Uh, yeah, I believe it can. And, uh, I'm trusting that the Lord will give us wisdom and uh, help me to reach out. We've got uh, a strategic outreach planning meeting on the 11th and on the 18th. We've got training for. Um, uh, substance abuse and uh, uh, training uh, the, uh, from the ACTS program, from the UPCI, Life in Focus. And um, I'm hoping to get into the DPS system to try to help uh, in- individuals. And so I've got some guys interested. So we're excited about yeah, what God's doing. A random question. Do you have your licenses from all the states you've lived in? Yeah, that's a good question. Some of them you have to turn back. Like we had to turn back, I think, our Maybe we do have our Germany plates, though. We might have those. Um, but no, I don't. Just curious. It was like, how many states have you lived in? Let's see. Uh, so Kentucky, uh, Michigan, uh, Arkansas, uh, Tennessee, um, North Carolina, uh, Georgia, um, Florida. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I, I'm going to backwards, go backwards, yay, yay, until until about uh, 1982. So I'm probably the only UPCI chaplain that was ever grumpy. I was grumpy at Disney World. You know, I dressed up in the costume, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, so that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, that was very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, wow. yeah, I don't know where that came from, oh. uh, but I had to tell it. Uh, so I was compelled. <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, it's great. Um, uh, All right. 
Where was I at besides that? Your licenses. Oh yeah, licenses. Mm -hmm. So states. So I was in Florida too. I went to high school in Florida. Um, so yeah, and then Texas. Um, One question that I want to ask all the pastors that come through the podcast is how do you specifically read the Bible? Like how do you meditate on the word? Do you yeah. read like a chapter a day or do you just no, pray till um, something comes to you? No, 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 no. I mean, I think you have to be systematic, but there are different ways. It's interesting that you mentioned that is because you can look at scripture even through a missiological lens. I teach a um, mission of the church, which kind of takes the book of Acts and goes through the book of Acts and looks at specifically um, geared toward looking at the cultural challenges that the early church faced and trying to look at how how we face the same things um, and how to contextualize the gospel. For instance, when you look at uh, when you look at um, the preaching, when you study preaching in the book of Acts, you find that the apostles preached this, of course, the same message, but different starting points. For instance, those that knew the scripture, they were able to quote from the Old Testament and uh, and, and bring them right into uh, the message of, uh, of Jesus. However, the apostle Paul in Acts 17, he contextualizes the message differently because he's dealing with people from the, uh, at Mars Hill. And he says, hey, you, I noticed you're devoted. You're, uh, King James is superstitious, but it's, it's devotion. Uh, it's a compliment. He said, I know that you're, I see that you're devoted. Then, then, then they have one altar to the unknown God. And he says, that's who I'm going to proclaim to you. So he has a different starting point, even, even quotes a pagan poet in that passage. And I, I love it. Um, uh, some people get hung up on that kind of stuff and say, well, does that mean that that needs to be added to scripture? No, it just means all truth is God's truth. And, and so that's uh, what's exciting to me. But uh, yeah, so I think devotionally, uh, it's not how you read the Bible. It's that you allow the Bible to read you. And that, to me, is more important than reading scripture. My brain is exploding, but it sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> if a pastor comes up to you and is like, I forgot my Bible, my iPad died, I need you to preach tonight, what are you preaching to the people? I'm going to talk about the, the Missio Dei, the mission of God. What makes us different than any other people is that we believe God got involved. I mean, that's the, 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 if that's the message of oneness Pentecostalism, that's the message of scripture, that God did not send somebody else to save the world. He came himself in the person and name of Jesus Christ. All right, you're ready. <laughs> I would not be. Okay, these are like, you just got to tell me what's coming off the top of your head, okay? Got it. Are you an early bird or night owl? Early. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Pancakes or waffles? Neither. Really? Mm -hmm. What's your breakfast food? I typically don't. It's eggs, you, you know. Um, but, but if I had to choose, it would probably be pancakes. Okay. If what? you're making me choose. Okay. It, it, yeah. Pancakes. But how do you like your eggs then? Uh, scrambled okay. or over easy. With cheese though? Yeah, I can do cheese. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm just, you know, curious. <laughs> no real point. Uh, calling or texting? I, you know, I'll be 57, so that answers your question, Colleen. City or country? Country. Host a party or attend a party? 
attend for a very short time. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> casual or dressy attire? Not casual. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. I know nothing about the other. You don't have Twitter? Oh, hmm. I, have no I think idea. you would do well on Twitter. Yeah? Yeah, you should try it. You've okay. got a lot to say in the best possible way. Sorry. Um, and my final question, the most important question of all. I love the diversity of these answers, but do pineapples belong on pizza? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not a pizza. I love New York City style pizza. And that, uh, you know. And I often call a place and I'll say, do you make a white pizza? And when they tell me something crazy like, I, oh, you mean with Alfredo sauce? I just say, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Goodbye. Because uh, a white pizza is has no no uh, tomato sauce. It, it has a base of ricotta cheese and garlic. And that's it. That's, that's It's a white pizza. Right. Garlic, mozzarella. And ricotta, a ricotta base. Okay. Absolutely not. Never put a put pineapple. There's ain't pizza. Okay. The craziest stuff. Okay. You could take three people from the Bible, excluding Jesus Christ, out to dinner. Who are you taking and where are you taking them? Mm, that, now, that was a tough one for me. Who am I taking? Three people uh, out. Oh, let's take Elijah. Okay. We'll, we'll take him out. You can take them out separately or together. Yeah, Elijah would be one. Uh, Paul. Um, and probably Luke. Where are you taking them? Hmm. Tijuana's. Tijuana's. Here in Lumpkin, <laughs> Texas. All right now. <laughs> All together or are you taking them one by one? Like you want to interview them, or you yeah, want to have a chat? Yeah, yeah, let's let's take them one by one. Um, I don't know. Elijah may take up the whole. Well, I don't know. He, he's a pretty dominant personality, so. I think they'd like Tia Juanitas. Yeah, I think, I think so. Maybe that with that. Okay. I think so. This is a hit. Yes. This is a we ought to get it in stereo. We ought to. <laughs> What's a stereo? No. <laughs> I'm so young, I don't know what a stereo is. Thank you so much no, for Thank you very, very much. I really enjoyed this. Yes, I had a fun time. I appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Almost Apostolic. If you enjoyed yourself, please do us a favor and leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until then, thank you for listening.